some sweet music Director, there, Director, producer, writer. Yes. Hi, guys. Hi. So glad to have you. And friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I, I didn't hear that last one. But <laughs> I said thanks for having oh, me. Oh, my God. It's my pleasure. I'm so I'm excited <laughs> you actually are here. Sort of. Uh, like here, here on the planet. Or? I'm glad you're yeah, born. No, but we go <laughs> well, back I, through. For, I've heard a, I, I'm hearing a lot of voices uh, before you guys went live. So clearly, there's a group of people in there, and you know, I'm just trying to do my best at uh, not contracting or spreading COVID. Just hunkering down in the house and staying safe. And, well, that's smart. We're safe in here. We're, this is all good stuff. We've. we've COVID, but who knows what I got? You, you know, know, like nobody. Well, knows. We practice safety, all of us that are in this room, and every mic and the walls and everything are sanitized all the time. Oh, yeah. that's that's why we're we're so, able. To, so if I was if I was there, would you guys sanitize? Yeah, me? you would be. You there's would a be room, in the room. <laughs> like before jail, they strip you. That's right. Spray you down. Right. <laughs> it's kind of fun, but you whatever. Feel good. Yeah. It, it feels good. You could try it next time. <laughs> I'm very accustomed to doing everything like remotely over the last several mm-hmm. months. Like all these pitch meetings, everything's been, you know, Zoom, uh, Google Meet or whatever it is. I have like 10 different apps now to, to like talk. I am, you know, I mean, listen, every once in a while there's totally. a glitch, you know, but um, I, I actually like it more because like, I'll do pitch meetings and sometimes I'm in like like a bathing suit bottom on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Totally. But I have a nice polo <laughs> up top and usually like I have a really great view on the other side of this. I think I can see it in the reflection. I'll, it's be- literally I can see it. Yeah, it's beautiful. But if I put the camera like I've put it that way before, it depends on the time of day. But if I did it now, it'd be entirely black uh, backlit. So, yeah, yeah. Um. But, yeah, so I like the Zoom meeting, you know what I mean? I think that, you know, curious to see how things progress, like, once, we, once we're past this whole pandemic thing, interesting. Oh, how many more people actually work from home, yeah. you know? And, and does anybody really need to return to an office full-time every Costume day? Designers? Yeah. That's, you know, that's... But that's different. Yeah, I, like, yeah. in production, like, it's game on when you're yeah. in production, you know? But I'm talking about, like, you know... And I'm not talking about doctor's offices yeah. either, obviously. Yeah. But I'm saying there are jobs that can be done a little more remotely or at least chop up mm-hmm. time a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could say that would be a luxury. So No, that's I'm, that I, get. I mean, you do it all. Well, it, she, as she introduced you, my name is Mandy. I'm a costume yeah. designer. And she was telling me all about you. Is there anything that you don't do? And where did the love for this industry even begin? I mean, you do it all. This, I have this whole list here. It's so cool. I mean, I've done, like, a lot of things, like, decently, <laughs> and I don't know that I've excelled at anything tremendously, you admit that. but I've done, I've admit done that. enough things well enough, but I've, I've certainly tried a few things. Um, you know, well, it's funny, because there's, there's two two ways to answer that. Marilyn actually is a part of the genesis of my kind of, I don't want to say, like, let's say my desire to be in the business. So my mom had studied theater all over New York, always wanted to act, you know, would do a lot of background stuff and plays and little bits and pieces, featured stuff, you know. I mean, it was definitely difficult 
being like, you know, raising three kids mm-hmm. in the suburbs, mm-hmm. trying to have that kind of career. And like she had known who Marilyn was. So somewhere I went to, I switched high schools in high school, went to his prep school in the Five Towns, Woodmere Academy, and Marilyn's two kids were there. Greg and Lad Vance. Greg was a year younger than me. Lad was a year older. And, you know, I became friends with both of them and found out about their mom. And their mom was doing just the (laughs) epic, cool shit. Every every personality I had in high school (laughs) and in my high school years was probably heisted from some character (laughs) that designed for. I I mean, me in the full-on Judd Nelson uh, Breakfast Club coat that I got at like Auntie so Boutique good. with a band so tie uh-huh. jeans and the boot. Like I had the whole look. So, you know, so I was always like close with Greg and Lad and, and you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, so, I mean, the one, one thing I could do at that time post high school, like I could draw a mm. little bit. So, like I, I, you know, I never felt like I was good enough to be like, a fine artist, but given like the climate of some of the people that are selling ridiculous work today, I actually could probably could have awesome, been right? <laughs> could have excelled at that. Yeah, that was a good one. Shit that people are buying, I'm like, what the fuck, man, taste. But well, at that time, I didn't have the confidence, but I still went to Parsons School of Design. Wow, and, like a foundation year or basic studies. I don't remember what they call it, and I did that, and then I was like, fuck, I'm gonna go try to become like Ralph Lauren. Totally. Of course, yeah. I'm gonna like denim and cool shit, and like try to be a fashion designer. So I got into the fashion department, but I only last like one semester. Like what they don't tell you prior to signing up is that it's well, it's just super focused on like women and evening wear, and like you know, like it was like good for Mark Jacobs and like totally. Yeah, everybody wants to be like Bob Mack. Remember that guy? He was like the famous dressmaker, Bob Mackie. It was yeah, like, sure. yeah, it was like that whole kind of like Halston yeah, vibe yeah, and all that yeah, shit. Yeah. And it just wasn't for me. Like I wanted to make like fucking streetwear, yeah. you know, yeah. tracksuits and shit. You know what I mean? So I, uh, they, at the end of the semester, like this isn't for you. So then I, I bounced into illustration. I didn't like that. I wound up dropping out for a year. Um, of school entirely and becoming like a nightclub mm-hmm. promoter. And like, that was just like, uh, you know, that was some kind of like human soul digression. <laughs> into- I think I've dabbled in that world just a little bit, but uh-huh. like eighties into the early end of eighties into early nineties, Manhattan. Wow. Yeah. You know, it was just super excess, man. This is pre, you know, AIDS mm-hmm. and oh yeah, it was a heavy drug. It was just a lot of drinking. It was just you know, it was a lot. Again, I was like twenty years old, but it was just it was a lot for me. And you know, when I kind of pulled my head out of it, I got I went back to school, and then it was just like film. Mm-hmm. Like I was obsessed. Right, I would hang out with Greg. We would talk about it in high school. Greg had actually given me. Well, maybe post high school, giving me one of the jackets from the Untouchables. Stop it! Stop it! This is not fair. Seriously, it was awesome. I had this like Giorgio Armani bomber jacket from the Untouchables that hey, Marilyn that's designed. Where it went. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's where it went. Yeah, I think he gave it. Gave it. He gave it to him. Yes, mm-hmm. it's good. Poor Atlantis, and I never returned. 
but they were like the one people, like the one family that I knew that had successfully, mm. you know, built careers in Hollywood. And, you know, I think for my dad, who was in like various other businesses, that business didn't seem like a real business to him. So it was kind of like, you know, there was a lot of head you know, but like, I think I could do mm. this. I think I could do this. And then, so I did film school for a year. I wound up getting in some kind of like, literally an altercation in okay. class on oh, no. got, got bounced out of my film class and then I'm like I'm gonna go make a yeah, feature yeah. And my teacher was like yeah go make it in fucking 70 millimeter <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then somehow I don't know I was like inspired by the fact that I think at that time I was 22 I felt like just an enormous like underachiever slash failure all my friends were getting out mm-hmm. of college going to work at like Goldman Sachs yeah. and shit and getting apartments in Manhattan. And I'm like, what, what <laughs> years? And you know, the interesting thing about Parsons is I would transfer from department to department and like no credits transferred. Start over. So by the time I left that school, after basically being there four years, I had no credits. And then I just, I started to write this movie amongst friends, you know? And again, Greg was around for it. Lad was around for it. They were in close contact with me. So after I made it, it got into Sundance you know, Marilyn had introduced me to a ton of people too. And I just say, you know, that's just like my history of how no, I got that's into a, this. Everyone's story of how it happened is so different and so unique and mm-hmm. that you were involved. That's epic. That is so cool. Well, I think, you know, I think back in the day, like now it's like, like anybody could go make anything. Like you see it every day, whether it's TikTok, whether it's right. YouTube, whether it's Instagram stories, people have the ability to create mm-hmm. content. Back in the day when I did it, it was like, there was still that, like, you know, like this kind of mystical yeah. thing around making, yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. Like, yeah. he made a movie. Like, my mother showed up on my set, and she went home and called my father, and she's like, he's real. <laughs> exactly. And they weren't together. They weren't, at that point, they'd already been divorced years, but like, they, she was like, he's really making like a movie. <laughs> there's cameras, and there's yeah, people yeah, working, yeah. and she was like, by it, because you just didn't see it mm-hmm. that often, and, and the cool thing about it was that, I wasn't like, you know, some brainiac, you know, um, overachiever. I was just like a regular kid. And the fact that I did it and then I went out there to Sundance and I did all these interviews and I sounded like the fucking moron that I was at 25 years old. I think you people, other people, and I don't want to name names, but I know they were inspired to go make movies. They're like, if you can do it, (laughs) then I can do it. to make a movie i'm gonna go make a movie so no, did you write and book- did you write amongst friends he wrote you wrote it he wrote it and directed it yeah played a little part in it, and- it where did you get the funding yeah. for your first film like it i mean i dated directors so, so i've seen what happens but basically everybody was like i'm gonna give you money i'm yeah. gonna give you money and i had partners at the beginning that all fell off and nobody gave me money my dad raised me i, I can't remember if it was like twenty five thousand dollars or like four thousand dollars Basically, he was like, he went to, my dad was in the gambling business, so we had a lot of friends that were gamblers, and he was like, look, you're going to bet like five grand this weekend on games, 10,000 uh, 10, on games, bet $2,500 on Rob. Mm. So I think 10 guys did that, wow. and then my dad gave me like 15 grand. So I had $40,000 to start shooting this feature, which I quickly blew yeah. through once, but I was shooting like important stuff first, you know? some of the uh, more cinematic stuff. And um, 
it was crazy. I would run out. I, I ran out of film one day, and everything was kismet and mm. cosmic on that. Like my friend Mike Rappaport, not oh. the actor, oh. but stockbroker. Mike Rappaport, the actors are friends, yeah, yeah. friends with too. But Mike Rappaport, he called me up. He's like, "Hey, didn't you need some money for your movie?" I'm like, "Well, I just ran out of film no today. We can't even shoot." He's like, "Call my like five thousand dollars for you." Please. Yeah, and then my friend he's like, you know, I have twenty five hundred. Like people were just mm. like carrying us along in increments, and there was this Ayatsi strike at the time, oh, yeah. so I managed to get like all these amazing people to work for, like basically nothing. And I found this awesome gaffer who went on to become like an Emmy nominated DP. And I was the first thing he ever shot. Like everybody was just, it was a lot of right elements mm-hmm. at at the right came together like they'll say like if you put yourself out there every once in a while the universe will mm-hmm. conspire to like yeah. help that's what it felt like and then um once we shot some we had enough selected dailies by two producers who never produced anything <laughs> one was like a warden <laughs> graduate i was like oh you guys went you guys to ivy school they um they went to the independent, the IFP, I think, was having some kind of, like, IFP thing in New York. And they went down there and reeled all these people in to see uh, dailies. Mm, and this guy, right. John Pierce, was like, was producer's rep at the time. Like, he had started Richard Linklater and Spike yeah. Lee and, yeah. and uh, Roger and Neil. He was a producer's mm-hmm. rep. So he was just involved with the Cohen brothers and Blood Simple. And he saw the dailies and he was like... He was like, yeah, I think this is going to be like mm-hmm. something, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to fund the rest of the movie. So he gave us like three hundred fifty thousand, wow. and we. Found I didn't know that, that was it. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was funny because I actually, it was like he gave me three hundred, and then we needed an extra hundred. So the way it broke down was that his company was called Islet, and it was like a subsidiary of Island World, which is Chris Blackwell's yes. like umbrella. So the guy who was running that at the time was uh, this guy. Sorry, I have gardeners in the background. You guys could hear me, right? But not oh, we my gardeners. I was going to say, oh, yeah. I, I, the landscapers are going next door. I can't tell yeah, them we, to yeah, stop. Fine. We're fine. So anyway, so, um, you know, we need this extra $100,000. So I had to come out to L.A. and screen mm. the movie for Eric Eisner who would then give the okay for it. And uh, Eisner, I guess, was from the Five Towns. Or lived around there because every time he'd go to New York, supposedly, he would have his driver just drive him through Cedarhurst and like this area before getting on the plane to Kennedy yeah. Airport. Because we live super yeah. close, like 5,000 miles to Kennedy. Um, and uh, so I sat there with him and he watched a movie and he was just, he looked miserable. He was <laughs> like, there's this much drugs in the five towns? And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, Get to like this in the five towns now. And meanwhile, he was probably only like 35 at the time, you know, or 40. Wow. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what it's like now. He seems so disappointed in what the town had become, but he, they still gave me the $100,000 to finish it. So. Wow, that's, anyway, that's incredible. That's, yeah. Yeah. Did you actually finish yes, it? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we got it done, you know. I think that. You know, trying to go out and, like, make independent movies back in the day, it was just always, like, every part of it was an uphill battle, so, you know, whether it's clearing music, and we were super blessed, like, like um, there was a song we wanted from Big Audio Dynamite, 
which, you know, mm-hmm. is Mick mm-hmm. Jones from The Clash. Mm-hmm. That was his band. Back and forth with them. And it was like, normally they wanted like yeah. 25 grand or something, 50 grand. And then they were like, can Mick see a trailer? We showed Mick the trailer. They were like, Mick's going to be in New York. Can he come see the movie? And I was like, yeah, sure. And meanwhile, I wasn't a crazy Clash fan growing up. But, like, the guys who worked on my movie were, like, freaking out. Like, Mike Bonvalon, the cinematographer, and um, Matt, um, Jesus. Well, this is embarrassing. I was thinking, but Matt, uh, Matt, the producer, was, like, a huge, huge fan of his. So we get, like, a screening room. Mick Jones comes in. With the, mm-hmm. He's got, like, you know, he's got the sleep. And the Stussy hat and the whole thing. And he's like sitting in front of me. These guys were freaking out of it. So he's like sitting in front of me and he's like eating super like, at the time I hadn't met a lot of Brits. Now I'm in LA. I got like a dozen close friends. Back in the day, it was like, I don't know. Like we're eating British people, you know? Um, but he had like, almost like these like British treats. Like, mm-hmm. I'm doing mm-hmm. cans of fish. But every time there was anything with weed, he would turn to me. He'd be like, is that a blood? <laughs> smoking. And I was like, so I'm like, you know, and he'd be like, is that all full of weed? And I'm nice. Like, yeah, he's like, nice. <laughs> and then he's like, like music for the movie. Oh. Like, he's like, I'll front it. He had a studio, everything, and it was just one of those things where you go like, that just does not happen ordinarily in um, at least the time in independent filmmaking. So it's just one of these insane blessings, and it was you know people people freaked out don't over you, that. So yeah. don't you remember back in the day making movies like? There was so much passion and fun and yeah. the complaining factor, it just happens. Everyone's complaining so much. About, I mean, we're not working now, but back then the love of making a movie and it sounds like you love doing it. Like even if there's uphill battles. No, I love, I mean, I do, you know, I mean, I've had a lot of yeah. um, experience after I made most friends they basically like, I could have right. done anything I wanted to do. And, you know, I had a movie I was going to make and the studio fell apart and then I couldn't mm. really pull the trigger on something. So the window opportunity yeah, closed yeah. for me. And I think once I felt like, yeah, once I felt like persona non grata, it was, um, you know, that mm. it wasn't like bitterness, but there was definitely a lot of angst in me about the process, about the personalities, about how things yeah. get done. Fortunately, you know, Kept, you know, um, I was persistent, kept writing, kept pushing. And then, you know, obviously Entourage came along and, and that was the opportunity that actually put me more into the system. Like, so I learned how to become a system player by actually working for HBO and those oh, guys. So Interesting. And also knowing knowing Doug Ellen all those years. I do, I do, love, I do love the business. Um, not the business. I do love creating and um you know it doesn't matter what direction i move this thing i keep going i know because i want to i want to get my questions you know i want to start but it's hard to connect because i don't know what where is it just his connection is that all most likely okay okay you look you look really handsome (laughs) i can't really see her no you guys have me in frame because i'm splitting like a you are with us too you guys 
and I keep drifting. Right, now there, you're in the middle. Now you're in the middle. Too far. In the middle of the screen. Yeah. Can you hear us okay? Yeah? Like. I. Great. Okay. Yeah, I can hear you guys great. Well, we'll just, I, we know what he looks like. We're going to roll with it. Okay. So you spoke about getting into Entourage, and I know you've heard this before um, a billion times. It was one of the, I remember I used to run clubs in the day back in the day with my boyfriend. And when those stars would come in, the the water would spread. I mean, it was at that moment the timing. The cast wasn't that known. Not how did, how did that even? Because you said, "Oh, and then entourage happened." How the I want to know how it happened. We all want to know. Yeah. Well, that is, I mean, you know, ironically, Doug, who created Entourage, is also a good mm. friend, a good friend of the Vance's. <laughs> he was actually Greg's grade when he was at Woodmere Academy. So I had known Doug. In high school, yeah. briefly, because Doug then left yeah. from here, went back to his hometown. So we all knew each other out here. In fact, Doug's bachelor party <laughs> was at Marilyn's house in the Hollywood Hills. Like, they're still years cleaning ago. it up. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, it was like, we were baking and telling campfire stories. It was just mad. It was totally. You had a lot totally of girls over there, Maryland. you guys. I don't nothing, know. nothing. Doesn't hear about it. It sounds like you were such an integral part. Of- yeah. Well, all you know, everybody kind of like I knew. Literally, I knew Kevin Connolly from around the town. I knew Kevin Dillon because I had an ex-girlfriend, <coughs> excuse me, who had a shot of miniseries with him. Um, Wahlberg, I knew. I met Mark before Mark even started acting. I met him. Mickey Rourke, Steve Levenstein knew for a million years. So it was kind of like, and at that time, with the exception of Mark, it really felt like everybody needed a break. Like, if you really look at Entourage, it's like Doug had made Kissing a Fool and pretty much felt sidelined. I'd made Amongst Friends, felt sidelined. You know, Jeremy Piven was like John (laughs) Cusack's guy. Like, everybody kind of needed it. And again, it was one of those things where just the right people came together at the right yeah. time. Well, they call it lightning, and, uh, lightning in a bottle. You know, like, it's always, I mean, the, everything that was happening right then, like you said, it was needed. Mm-hmm. True. Interesting. Well, there was, there was, listen, a lot of people tried to do Hollywood shows. I, I credit part of why that show found an audience to just the very basic idea that at the core mm-hmm. was about friendship. And the guys, guys are pretty modest guys, you know, maybe with except they're pretty <laughs> modest guys. in the from Queens, right? And at the end of the day, they stick together. So, I mean, a lot of people try to do Hollywood things, but it's pretty easy to, to, you know, create something that's kind of douchey because it's uh, somewhat of a douchey environment. With it. So true. Oh, wow. And it has been. So it's getting less douchey as it goes on. Um, I think, you know, a lot's changing, fortunately. But so, yeah, I mean, it was perfect timing for that show. I mean, clearly, obviously, you couldn't do that show Well, it was happening now. in the moment. That's well, the thing. You, you know, I mean, clubs. it was happening. Yeah, but it was it, the simplicity of the show helped a lot. The, core. the characters right. showed up beautifully through their friendship we really got that's why i think it was really successful 
at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. a good call. Because you, they, they weren't doing anything spectacular. It was about that friendship and that, you know, camaraderie, whatever that meant. I wonder if you got that from growing up with your children. Like, No, it yeah. sounds like every no. time you speak on something, it comes from like a little derived, you know, from his past, obviously. Yeah. In your family. But, but I think, like I said before, the simplicity was just so beautiful. Yeah. I think that we all shared, like, I mean, there's definitely a piece of me in that show. Obviously, clearly, Doug. That's so all cool. Lab, you know, all I think you. that... Um, yeah. all of you. First couple seasons, Brian Burns. I mean, you know, there's just a lot of... Uh, a lot of contributors on that show that that I think you know drew from their personal well, your lives. Were son's so, involved in it, Marilyn? You know, no, no just yeah. just as part yeah, of his just, life yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Well, they were we were around. like we would no, see yeah, Greg they, and Rad around, you know. So meet. <laughs> yeah, but they that I think that started the trip where you all began to feel like you actually lived here and were making good things and you were writing a lot. You did a lot of those shows, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, if I'm going to write on a show, I'd like to write as many yeah, of them as humanly possible. How many seasons did it go? You know? I mean, Obviously. Six, six, how many seasons did it go? Nine, I think. Holy well, Entourage, Entourage did eight. eight. I, stopped, I stopped writing okay. Entourage. It did eight. But I didn't write up mm. the last three. I was an exec producer and just weighed in. I think at that point I had already started splitting time right. on another show, How to Make that It in America. So I like that, that we, show, too. So I was, it was short-lived. That's like right up. Yeah, I liked it. Fashion, what you know? that? Yeah. They didn't pick it up? Um, well, I mean, I look, I can only talk about season one. I was involved in developing it alongside Ian, writing the pilot, you know, it's such a long story, pushing it through, overseeing it season one. But then I kind of like, I, I was separated from the project in season two, which is a more complicated story than we want to get into. But I wasn't the creator of the show, despite having. It. So Ian ran it for season two, and um, and uh, you know I don't know. I think like they might have waited a little bit too long between seasons there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Spectacular. know. I really don't know. It just didn't get didn't get season three. But by the time season right. in season two, I was passive, so I wasn't really doing anything on it. I was trying to like mm-hmm. develop other shows, you new- know, <laughs> new catastrophe. <laughs> to find the so new what girl, happened so. after that? Did you. You, when you, what happened uh, when you finished with that that show? What did you do? What did you do after that? Uh, um, on after that, I was developing a bunch of different shows, and then I got atta- attached to this project, which is like an origin story about the Hells Angels Motorcycle right. Club. Uh, excuse me. Hello. And it was based. Keep going. Keep talking, please. <laughs> Like based, uh, you know, it was kind of it was based on Sonny Bolton's story, who is considered by most to be the patriarch of the Los Angels, you know, and definitely the person behind the expansion of the club internationally. So again, super complicated situation. Uh, it was a Tony Scott project. Tony had spent 
upwards of $10 million on it, which nobody told TV? me at the beginning. And this was TV. Yeah, it was a feature. Oh, I was doing the feature part. Okay. No, feature. With Tony. Okay. I wrote it, and I was going to direct it. And it was Fox 2000. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. again, without getting too far into the legal aspect, Elizabeth Gable yeah. didn't want to make it. You know, I don't really... I don't really think, honestly, like that was for her. It's not the kind of movie she makes, and I think she was really doing it because of her relationship mm-hmm. with Tony, and you know, and ultimately decided not to make. It. She wanted to keep him at Fox, yeah. Yeah, and then it was like, how do we get it out? And then it was just like, oh, there's between ten and twelve, fourteen million dollars mm-hmm. against this because Tony had basically the IP to every single Hell's Angel yeah, thing they could find. And he was already in developing it. So it was like, so then that was like in between at that point. So somewhere in like in between how to make it America. Yeah. I was developing shows, selling shows, um, started developing that. Then I went on ballers. Then I went to Hell's Angel for the rewrite. So Steve Levinson created ballers. He wrote that. And I was reading drafts of it, um, you know, and then, you know, and he was telling me that, that, that it was created by, like, this young kid. He wouldn't tell oh, me that no he wrote himself. Yeah. I guess he wanted oh, some kind of, like, so interesting. I was like, focus. and he was like, just some guy, just some guy. Meanwhile, he wrote it. And then somebody else told me, oh, I've been reading left neg- script. I'm like, I didn't want to be, uh, yeah. Right. He, you didn't yep. want to influence what I was going to say, but it wouldn't have influenced anything. I only would have been harsher. <laughs> me. I don't know. So, you know, but good script. And, uh, you know, when they knew they got, they were pushing you forward to shoot the pilot, he, he's also my manager left. So he's like, look, I know your availability. I know you're available for a couple of months. We're going to do this little, uh, right. him and the show run Evan Riley. At that time, like, Hey, I'm not a football fan. I didn't know anything about football. And B, I really was not looking to go be a showrunner. Um, you know, he was like, we're going to do this little room. Me, Evan, a friend of Evan's, you should come in for 10 weeks. We just want to have, like, an idea of what the season is so that if HBO wants to go forward, I can pitch him what the season is. And it was over the summer. It was two months. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it was just well, yeah. like, it was right here in L.A. And it was, uh, you know, paid by the week, and it was good money. I was like... Four hours a day. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I'll go in. And sure enough, sure enough, we figured out like the entire season in like a month. And then it just HBO being like, well, you know, you take the money you made and be a consulting producer. Or you're welcome to join staff, get what you get paid, you know, normally and be an EP. And, and then I was like, yeah, fuck it. Uh, you know, I'm going to jump on. And it actually turned out to be like, Oh, really? My overall favorite experience out of all three. Are, are they still going? Yeah, yeah. My family loves Ballers, but I don't know how many seasons is it? No, it was only, it was like a five-year commitment. Like, we knew that going into Dwayne um, and Dwayne's schedule. So we wrote it to end it, which I feel blessed. that We had the ability to That's kind nice. of bring it full circle, yeah, whereas right. a lot of shows don't for the fans. So it was like a five-year show. But, you know, it was the first time on a show where all the scripts pretty much oh, done. I love that. Prior oh, my gosh. So I was able That's to so direct. Great. 
which is really what I got this business mm -hmm. to do in the first place. So I went back to direct. That's great. Though. And uh, that was yeah, that was an awesome opportunity, especially to be out there with like biggest movie in star the world, in the world. <laughs> and you know, did you? <laughs> yeah. You know, then J.P. Washington is blowing up while it's going on for, you know, Black Klansmen. And, yeah. And, wow, I mean, just everybody on that show, everybody on that All show, those guys, I love. Yeah. Like, All I those mean... characters, I, they're amazing. It's really. Yeah, I never felt... I, I, yeah, I just, I don't know, shoot with them all. Yeah, you could you know, it was like... <laughs> and, like, they all knew their characters and, and, and everybody was receptive. Like, it's just... I don't know. It's just good vibe. It sounds kind of nice to that come out of like vibe. having this movie. It didn't go. This, and then you get something that you're like, wow, I'm going to get into this. I'm going to get back to why I was in this business to begin with. Yeah. It just sounds like, again, timing. But so interesting. Um, did you write any of the well, ones that you directed I'll, I'll, of Ballers? You did? How did yeah, that feel? That's sure, interesting, sure. actually. Yeah. I did one that was like, that had just some straight up gangster <laughs> stuff in you. it. Like, I mean, we killed this character. We shot this character, we're still writing it, going like, yeah, I gotta shoot yeah, this. Like, yeah, it's, it's so, so good. It, so, you know, it was straight back to most friends days. And, um, yeah, I don't know, you know, I mean, officially, it definitely re inspired mm -hmm. me, you know, but like, I'm like, I always want want to stay active like i'm talking i'll talk about 10 projects at once try to get out there you know sometimes it takes me a couple of years like i'm out pitching a show now that i've been developing with uh some other people for literally like a year and a half now we might meet once every week once every two weeks and it took a while to like get it you know figured out but you know as long as i have a lot of like yeah. irons in the fire so to speak um, and I'm busy and being super proactive and, and you know, I feel good, yeah. but there's nothing you better. Know what? He's a cigar. Yeah. That was my next thing was I see him smoke a cigar. How did the, did the love for cigars always like, was that your thing? He, I don't think I don't think I've smoked. It came up. What? It came up. Well, it came up. I've so been you trying. Couldn't, you couldn't help with your hands. You didn't smoke. Yeah, them. You didn't I smoke. Most of the podcasts that I do are actually with other cigar smokers, or like if I do Instagram lives, it's usually well, based in the cigar sent world. Maybe you should them to us, and we could have cigars right here with you. <laughs> Weren't you a spokesman for one of the cigar I don't know. companies? Yeah, no, I had my online. own cigar uh -huh. brand. Uh, yeah, with with Davon of Geneva, um, you know. It was, uh, you know, it was kind of like a dalliance with them. It was a lot of fun. I may relaunch something the next year or so. Again, it was more a passion project than, you know, an opportunity to for a money grab. The thing about the cigar business is it still operates very much in a mom-and-pop wow. way where it's about shaking hands mm, and smoking cigars yeah. with people. And at the, time we launched, at the time we launched, I was still I was getting busy with ballers. And it was just difficult to go and do it's all those in shop yeah. appearances and smoke with people. Right. So the, the, they really came about. I met these guys through um, a publicist, Stacey Navarro. I met the um, Camacho cigar oh. family, right? Like, so 
Camacho, one of the brands in Davidoff's vast portfolio. They did like 90 brands or whatever. So I went to this editor's, she invited me to this editor's dinner, you know, that they do like um, at the, um, what is it? Um, what's a great place on Sunset? The hotel. It used to be St. James Club, you know, the, uh, Which, uh, we used to be St. What, what is the amazing? With the the tree and uh, Le Dome. Oh, like uh, the big one. No, the guys won't say Jeff Klein. The guy who won't say Sunset Bungalow. What, what's the uh, hotel? I don't know Sunset Montreal. Sunset. Sunset. So, Wait, yeah. No, it's not Shutters. Oh. Shutters is. You guys are now. Uh, keep in mind, I shoot. I've been in Vancouver for six you and, guys, and a half years. Not. So the the hotels that are I've been shooting in Vancouver for six years. So the hotels are in Sunset are not the hotels that were before the Chateau. Uh, the chateau? Are you talking about that? Yeah. No, no, no. It's across the street. It's across the street from Saddle Ranch. It's, the Montreal. Uh, no, no. I can't believe. No, I, no it's not. Whatever. I'm having a crazy uh, brain fog. I'm clearing okay. about like two minutes. Anyways, so anyway, they have this big dinner. You know, it's one of these for editors magazine where they're trying to get people to buy cigars. You know. Over the holidays for their, bo- you know, bosses, friends, loved ones, yada, 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 right? So I go there and meet the Camacho guys, and they're like, hey, man, why don't you come oh, to Honduras? Sure, why not? And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so they they down Honduras. At the time I went, it was the highest per capita yeah. murder rate in the world, right? Literally, like, structure. You're on dirt roads oh for, like, God. two hours without a stoplight. Insane, like, drops of that. Thousand feet where the road's given out. It was wild, man. So you I went did. with them there, huh. blended some small. That's yeah, it was wild. awesome, man. It was so fun. Like they went to me with them. Then we went flew to Honduras, and like they have this famous like uh, in Donnelly, where it's like no, in, in Tegucigalpa, Tegucigalpa, whatever it is, Tegucigalpa, the capital. You basically come down, and it's this like valley mm. with a runway. But it's a horse valley. And when we were flying over it, my friend Nate was with me and I was like, no, that's not for us, bro. I go, that's like, I go, that's like, I go, that's like, uh, for private jets or something. They're so small. And, you know, we had right out of like a 70s, like, <laughs> beachy, hunky smoothie. He had like a blonde mustache and shaggy hair and a great fan. And it looked like he was like 60, but he, he was jacked up because he greeted us all getting on the plane. And he was like, it's like, hey, guys, it's your captain, Ron. <laughs> He's like, look, making a, they do things differently here. I'm going to be making a series oh, of left oh, no. bank turns. God. It's com- completely normal. And everybody had warned me from Davidoff, like, hey, don't freak out at the landing. Sure enough, the plane basically gets like vertical like this. Oh my god! Turns like on its side. You're looking out the window over there at the ground, and it just like comes around, and at the last minute, like strangers lands in there. So that was like the start of. I think it's like going to be a movie one day. Like, going to write this you know, thing because that scene was epic. That's perfect. You got to get that in on camera. I like the pilot. Well, we yeah. spent a bunch of days. I blended some cigars. The guys at Davidoff tell me the cigars. I blended soft, but they were like, look, we're going to relaunch Camacho. They were buying the company. They go, we're going to do a marketing campaign. Um, you know, there's two other guys in the campaigns. We call the Board of the Bulls. It's oh, Mike Dicka. Yeah, yeah, you know, the Bears. Oh. 
It's uh, Matt Booth, who is like a jewelry designer of Room 101. He, at this point, had already had like a deal to do his own uh, capsule collection with them, his own brand. And they were like, if you're the third guy, we'll build you a brand the same way as Matt's. So I was like, great. So we did it. It was B.G. Meyer. Super fun. Got to hang out in the school. these different cigar conventions with them and do these events. Wow. Yeah. I love, made, made like no money. But there was some, but it was like it wasn't about the money, like I said. You know, that, that particular project, though, would have been nice. But um, somewhere into my three-year contract, the, the um, FDA decided to regulate oh. cigar tobacco. Which and it was a huge thing. Millions of dollars was spent by you know during uh, you know the process of lobbying. Yeah. So well, really, what it was was big tobacco complained about how vaping wasn't regulated. It was to to to. So when the FDA was like, oh, you know what? If we're going to regulate vapes, let's regulate pipe tobacco and cigars. And cigars haven't been regulated yeah, well. in 500 years. So it basically turned the entire it turned the entire business over. And, you know, it was like all brands before 07 mm-hmm. were grandfathered in. Uh, but mine came later, so it wasn't. So Davidoff was basically like, you know, you own the trademark. You have to pay for the registration of the SKUs, oh, which oh, was oh, like oh, half a million dollars. I and I was like, guys, <laughs> like, I think I'm going to take a pass on this. We spent like another four years selling inventory and then I just kind of let it subside until we knew more about where this FDA thing lines up and it still hasn't really? finalized up to date on it. But I have conversations all the time about relaunching and now it's like, you know, cigar tobacco now, like the, that business is bigger than it was at the time I got into it. So I might do something for fun because we had a cool brand, like the cigars were highly like yeah. rated and, you know. I don't know. It's it's fun, man. It's a fun, like, ancillary yeah. thing to do, you know? The people that get into cigars, it's a whole, they get into it. They nerd out. My guy friends, like, I guarantee, like, they're like, okay, entourage, whatever, yeah. but he knows cigars. Like, dudes, like, when they love it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, it's all, it's all I have left now. It's like, you know, every, everything in my life is like, you know, biohacking, health, nutrition yeah. based. Like, I live in air one. Yeah. It's you know, and I'm always trying to That's how I It's like my guess. This is the, the best place that's to go. True. Oh yeah. my god, it's my favorite. So you, you're you're taking care. You're taking yeah, I'm, I'm there all the time. care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I train like a couple hours a day, like every day. You know, it's like prior to this, it was like I was at Equinox for like two hours in the morning, then I do jujitsu in the afternoon. Now it's like I get up and hike like an hour and a half with like a like a twenty pound weight vest. Then oh. I'm doing weights in my house. Of course, you know, now I want to be healthier, given like yeah, yeah. the yeah. state of the health crisis we're in. You know, I think this is the time to be as healthy as possible. But I gave up alcohol like almost a, I'm, oh, wow. I'm like a week away from a year since I've had my okay. last. Yeah, I like, and then I found that I had celiac disease like two years ago, so I stopped having gluten. It's like. I don't know. You know what I mean? All I have you, you left. What? And that's is this. Mm-hmm. This no, is, like, when people are like, you shouldn't drink that or do it. And coffee. But no, I mean, is that really that bad? Coffee, that's it. No. You can Did you start uh, thinking more health consciously after you, you had your son? 
Well, a hundred percent. But I also blew up to like two hundred and five yeah. pounds. Somehow, even though I've always been active, somehow I was up to like two o five. Like by the time my son was That's like it. one, I was like I don't know if it was sympathy weight, but my son's mother got like like she was like in perfect shape the entire pregnancy, and then. The minute she had the baby, she was like shredded again. You know, it's like me on the other hand looked like totally falling apart. And then um, I think just it was like a it was a slow evolutionary shift in me between having the son at a later age, you know, at an older age, um, and also like becoming really interested in health and wellness and fitness, you know, and actually enjoying it. It didn't feel like there was no crash diet, you know what I mean? It was like I got down during the pandemic, like I want to say like a month ago, I was like 167 pounds. I mean, I don't think anybody on your podcast wants to hear any of this shit. By the way, I think I've rambled for like an hour about oh, cigars. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to get back to the, the Hell's Angel topic because I do yes. have a question about that. But so pretty much your life is, you know, turned into your – so what was to come with Tony Scott? Well, I have a question. Is that his baby? Talking to... No, me. I'm talking to my brother Alex. Oh, hi. The the Hell's Angel uh, <laughs> film was that before or after SOA? I was curious about the timing. Oh, so that was, you know, I never I never watched Sons of Anarchy. I think okay. it was around the same time. I, just I have, have to look on that. But I specifically watched it because I didn't want any influence on it. Um, but it was a different thing. Like, we, we were basically doing three generations of the Hells Angels. So it was like the start of the club, you know, um, post um, Sonny in the Military, which I think was like 50s, cool, 60s, and though. 70s. Because they were very different chapters and eras of that club kind of like focus on you know like it wasn't like um you know the history mm-hmm. channels outlaws where they kind yeah. of like focus on just the criminal or the crime right. aspect of it like i've known a lot of Hells angels well actually have legitimate jobs a lot of them are in our business right. too a lot of them are ex-military yeah. family guys I think for that, it's about camaraderie, you know, and about riding. I mean, these guys are like, like I have motorcycles. I I, I could never ride oh, like these guys ride. I mean, these guys will ride like eight, nine hours, uh-huh. eight inches behind the next guy, six inches behind them, whole formation. It's, oh, and they're it's, so stoic. I dated, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying I dated a Mongol for about two seconds, but <laughs> <laughs> which is anti-Hells Angels. But you're right. The, Everything yeah. about like the, all the violent stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff. The heart of it was his homies. Like it was his yeah. boys, his family. Right. Look, I, I knew a Mongol guy who would like right. sell vintage T-shirts and like find all this like cool rocker stuff. And like I only met him like I met him at um you know mm-hmm. at a bike shop mm-hmm. when I went to get that done. You know. Like I was, it wasn't like what, the guy was like exactly what people you know, assume. Thug, there's dogs, you know? but yeah. there's the other people, side too. Yeah. 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 Well, there are because you know you have to look at the obvious. The same way you have bad cops, people 
mm-hmm. people want to use. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have a bad guy who's like talking. I'm going to get a badge and really terrorize people. You could have guys who are like, you know what? I want to be a gangster. Let me become a fucking obster. Let me become a biker because I can mm-hmm. use the rocker. And the fact that I have on the West side or whatever to back me up. Like the people have different intentions and reasons. You know, for there are people. Different, yeah, but they cluster. No, but they I met each a, other. The whole thing is these are clubs. These are people that don't exist on their own. Right. They need that camaraderie or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. So from clubs, guys get bounced out of different clubs, all clubs. I'm not just talking about biker yeah. clubs. And, you know, it works for some people for for certain reasons, doesn't work for them for others, then they make a choice, you know. Um, it's definitely, uh, you know, like I knew a guy who was in a club in Detroit, um, and I said to him, man, like, I said to him, I said, yeah, it's a serious lifestyle. Because I was doing all this research, because it's not a lifestyle, because it's a life. Ooh. It's a life. That's you know? Yeah. Well, to him, it was, yeah, it was more encompassing of, you know, you know, like his base. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, you know, do you know what I mean? It wasn't no, a it style. Wasn't. Or- it's like, you know, like I always say, like, I, no, my, my family, I come from crap family and I'm like, I just want to go to like a click. And some of these people are coming from families where they don't have that connection and they have someone to talk to. They have a brother, they have a sister, they have that family. And then, you know, all the other stuff can go down. But, you know, speaking of brotherhood and, and a lot of the topics you've talked about, is there a genre in television or film that, uh, you know, if you were given carte blanche, like, this is what I want to make next. Is there a, that desire of something that you have going on that you want to do or, you know, up here that you would love to give it away? Well, I mean, I'm developing something really cool. I, I can't talk about specifically okay. what it is for HBO. Um, another half hour, Ian Lev, Steve Levinson cool. are creating cool. together. And that's super cool because it finds. I think what I'm interested in now for me, like, is to – one cool thing that I learned about ballers in the process of making ballers was that we serviced a lot of characters. And at least in my, my opinion, we, we, did a, we did a good job. At layers and being able to create more and more density okay. per episode. So I think like, right. And I think then we started to incorporate more things as the seasons went on. So for me, like I have a couple projects I'm developing traditional in terms of their space. Like, for example, like, like I have something that I've been writing with a couple guys that is set, set in Vegas, but it, it's about mm. car salesmen. And gamblers. So it's matching up like these big, like pieces of Americana and oh, tropes, yeah. you know. And we'll, I mean, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see if anybody likes it. But if you like, I want to reach to New York street kind of glossy crime, um, but sexy and fun and kind of period. So I've been talking about that also, and I have to develop a pitch on that. Yeah, I was yeah. like, if somebody said, go do whatever you want, I would return to look at amongst friends mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. present day, tell part of the story today, part of the story then, or some, something to of that, that untouchable jacket. nature, which is what well, I'm kind of working 
Uh, no, uh, yeah. when you were saying you went to like a glossy gangster film, I'm like, as long as you wear that Untouchables jacket where you find it, you wear it to set, that, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be your moment doing that next yeah. movie. Well, I would do those yeah, yeah. as movies, as movies, like, um, you know, I don't think it turns into movies anymore. I know, isn't it weird? Either do I, um, TV. Did, I have, you, did you remember when we I, together I, went to pitch that taxi cab diner story? That I fell flat on my face in the room trying to tell them. You don't remember that? You t- we, no, what we was were it? Up at, we, no, we, I, I, what? Uh, I only remember oh, the good things. No, it was fun. It was crazy, though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I got my balls. Yeah, it was. I mean, to, to like walk in there. Look and at your resume. You're There's your balls. There and I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, like, pitching you know, them this thing I'm, that you didn't even. I mean, we. Yeah. Uh, because, like, I yeah, I would do it again tomorrow. Because Aww. at the end of the day, I think that I think now I'm I'm like I'm I'm more involved enough to know, Marilyn. You can't talk to them in visuals. You have yeah, to be yeah. able to explain story and concept and look out for them. If it's a show. Explain how they're getting six, seven years out of it. If it's a movie, it. give them the you beginning, middle, and end of it. It just and, needs and to be like this now. At the end of the day, there's not a lot of fucking people in the world. Like, I look at the things you did, like the things you've done, and you're probably in costumes <laughs> than any other person. Or I mean, careers. When I, I, I inspired forgot, careers. I forgot a woman, and I think about how every year... I have to look at oh, like so a hundred girls. That's true. At least Robert from yeah, Pretty like, Woman. Well, my friend you know, so. that. Yeah, no, I think yeah. I, I, it's so funny because this is my, this is my second I'm, guest with Marilyn now. The Pretty Woman costume is pretty much up there with the uh, the Mia, you know, costume from Pulp oh. Fiction. With the yeah. blood. Okay, fine. Maybe I've been both of them. Those, like, like the, <laughs> yeah. No. Oh my god! Have I've you, done every. I, I I think if I went through her movies, I've at least done three of them. But I hit the ones like I hit any Charlie Theron character, any Daryl Hannah character, because I can rock it. You know, I just look at the people. That's the key, by the way, to a Halloween costume. Who do you look like? Like, don't try to be, you know, um, Elton John or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, I try to go simple. I try to go like, like this year, me and a friend of mine, Warriors. Oh, Thank you. Like we got two great, great warrior vests. Oh, you did that warriors. You, know? you didn't oh. do the baseball fury that everybody does. You did the warriors. You got to get a glass oh, bottle yeah. and clink oh, it. I warriors. Oh, I had the white, the warriors vest, Dope. the you know the Belvoir Levi's and the Converse. And if I wanted to take off the warriors vest, I was in an outfit I, I would wear around <laughs> Normal. any other day. You can't day. wear so, a shirt under it. You can't good. wear a shirt under the vest. Well, it was kind of, what was kind of funny about it is my friend was like, got like a little like drunk as the night progressed. And he was like, I was like, shit, I hope we don't have a problem because they're just going to be like, he's going to dip. And people are going to go, the Warriors guy, the Warriors guy did it. And I'm going to be like, chase that. And it'll be just like, like the Warriors. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Well, I. It was like the first sober Halloween. Sober so. Halloween's are totally different than, uh, than old Halloween. Well, I'll tell you that much. I just want to thank. I, I, 
Like you know better. what? I do. I end up liking it way better. I end up my costumes stay intact more. It's way better. Um, I just wanted to say I'm so glad that Marilyn had introduced me to like, oh, we're going to do someone else besides a costume designer. That was really cool. And I want to thank Eddie Marks with yes. Rag Van Rentals for any mm. of your costume wardrobe, any of the rentals for you know your production needs. He is the man, so thank you very much, uh, Rag Band Rentals. And yes. how? Let's wrap this up. What I mean, you, you guys could talk forever. Hey, <laughs> I love well, I mean, having you. This is great. Did you? It's I just, hope. I well, hope. Uh, yeah. You know, you're going to come back as soon as you get another gig. Uh, I want you nope. back. <laughs> yeah, let me go up. Come up with some new material. You know, I think my material is getting oh, stale. God. I've told like a lot of stories. Um, but yes, of course, I'll come back. Yeah, we loved having you. I think it's great. And well, he's got ten things in the works. He, d- you well, know he, what I mean? He, of course, he's gonna hit. I'm yeah. trying to, you know. I want to design. I, gotta, you know, I want to design you for you. That was okay? my next question. You, t- I was gonna say that before we left. I want to see you yeah. two as a team. I want to design for you. So come up with yeah, this, anything you want. I'm there. Okay. All right. I'll- Okay. All right, awesome. I'm down. <laughs> then you could do podcasts from the uh, from the wardrobe chart. I did that on Bonnie on set because <laughs> we can't come to set anymore. So you'll have a podcast <laughs> yeah. in the trailer. That's, That's great. Per- perfect. Okay, I'm in. Okay, I've, I've got this in writing. Thank you very much. Next show, you're designing, and I'll come to set. Well, so, thank you. So anyway, much. thank you so much. It was great, great seeing you, you and talking. And uh, if you think out there. And I'll speak to both I'm going to challenge soon. you to a spin class. Mr. Athletic, oh. have you taken spin before? You know, me? No, I actually don't do spin. My my friend um, was actually one of the founders, partners of it. She always tried to get me to go. I'm like, I ride my bicycle everywhere, though. Like, I have two bikes. I'll, like, go out to the beach, ride, like, you know, Santa Monica to, That's like, the marina thing. and yeah. back around Venice. I like riding, but it's not like my go-to um, okay, exercise. Okay, fine. I give up. You know? But I'm <laughs> but like, he has his son. You, you have your son a few days I'll a week, or I'll one day a week, or something. Um, I mean, I should have him more now since we're all kind of like at home and they move closer to town. But my son lived in Pomona up until recently, so I would take every other week. Yeah, like, well, that's three exercise days. right there. Like weekends every other. Yeah. Well, uh, he's gorgeous. Having a four-year-old year old with a mouth. Like, he's sharp, and he's got a mouth, and he oh, has no so problem telling you what he's thinking. Oh, that's so weird, because you're his dad? That's a weird you know? conviction. I never would have thought that guy with conviction and saying what he wants. <laughs> you're not the boss. Mommy's the boss, and then I'm the boss. And At then least you're he the, knows the, the order. Boss, and like, how did you come up with the Carlito, his name? Carlo. Well, his name's Carlo. Oh. It's Carlo. C L O. Um, and that was named after my dad who oh, passed Carl. away. Carl. Oh, that's cool. So I wanted to name him Dad, but I wanted to give him a sexier <laughs> name. So you know, so so sexier than Carl. So we came up with Carlo. My son's mother is, um, you know, Hispanic. She's Cuban and Mexican. So it was funny. Like, her grandfather passed away. His name was Miguel. So I actually wanted to name my son Carlo Miguel. Yeah. Like, we weren't married, so, you know, obviously my kid's like, 
got like nine names. But he's like, I wanted to name him Carlo Miguel Madero's Weiss. She was like, it's not happening. It's not happening. So we took the middle name and named him after, named him after, um, you know, my uncle who passed away instead. So and Carlito is just, Carlito means that's what I tattooed on me, on my chest, because that means a little call. So it's a tattoo for both of them, you know. Um, yeah, it's a good list. It's the greatest thing that I ever did, man. You know what I mean? I could get a few more jobs, it's I think, another 10 kids. You know what I mean? Even though I think the one I have is perfect. Even though I think the one I have is perfect. It's incredible. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, when I have them, it's super hands-on. Like, I haven't had any nanny stuff, obviously, since, like, February. Given the pandemic, and I'll take them for like seven days, and you definitely feel it being like a you know fifty year old guy with a four year old for like seven days. It's like people I know have kids. I don't know how the fuck you're doing that, but I just I love it. It's challenging. Um, you know, it's uh, it's awesome, man. It's just awesome, man. That's so cool. And his dad, you know, and you're still. You're still in the mix of, you know, what's happening, what's going on, and I can't wait to see what's next. And I think we might be headed out. Are we in still? You're, I mean, you have a little more time if you need it. Oh, oh, we have more time. Whatever you want, Marilyn. That, that was 20 minutes when I did the Oh, 20. Oh, God. Okay. Earlier, and then I'll give you, like, a five at five. I love this. When? Okay. But now you're... Is, this is yeah, why slow. I need to talk slow. Slow it down. <laughs> well, I'm trying... Well, I'm so excited. Just... We are we, friends with Marty Davidson. Was that your, your friend? Is that how I met Marty Davidson, yeah. the director? He's Kenny Vance. It's Kenny, it Kenny's was, friend. Kenny's worked with him many I'm times. Yeah. Old, you know, I should start talking more like Marty Davidson. Marty, he, like Marty, Marty has this amazing that Marty could tell you like a story that I like could rip through in a minute and a half. Just, just, and he could just like tell it yeah, for like 12 he minutes. He could stretch it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, know when you're like, oh yeah, he. No, he, he's he's also a director and a writer, but um, yeah, I, I. He's a very, very brilliant guy, and if I'm being completely honest, the way I'm going to tell oh, the story, yeah, 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 like that would. But guy, but I met some cool people through Maryland, for sure. I remember back in that like Melinda right. Jason period. You wound up at... Introduced me to like a lot of cool people and Maury. You... And Maury made Lords of Flatwood, you... which was a movie my dad what loved. Movie? Lords of Flatwood. And like, Lords of Flatwood. Yeah. yeah. No, but it's classic, like, loans in it. And my friend Nick Cordasco is partners with Sly in, uh, um, like, basically, uh, okay. like, merchandising, like, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and a, and a power company. All based around that stuff. So I have these really dope Lords of Flatbush like hoodies and yeah, T-shirts totally and stuff. Totally and, rings a bell. Totally but it was like a movie. I used to check it out. Yeah, Lords of Flatbush. Stallone. This low-budget indie movie they made about this gang of four guys in Brooklyn, and it was like um, Stallone and Henry the Winkler. This guy. Marty. Uh, he he did a, a couple of films. Kenny did the music for Kenny Vance, and they're doing they're they're doing something for a show now. I have no idea exactly what the genre is, but what? 
matter with you? Who did Streets of Fire? No, who directed <laughs> I know he's going to wait to say that. <laughs> Walter Hill. Walter Hill. It's That's unfortunate right. because... He was... Oh, my God, that was my favorite, my, one of my other favorite movies of all time. Oh. 48 Hours that you did. I mean, that suit at War... We had I mean, that was like the shit. Yeah, we had, I, yeah. The Ralph Lauren, right? Was that connection? The same no. connection from the Untouchables? No. It was a... No. That was no, a Monty suit was, also, though. 48 hours. The 48 hours. Right, suit. That's what I was saying. It's what I, when, when he's in jail, in the script, Walter has, yes. he goes to his trunk of his car where he has the money stash when yeah. he gets out of prison, and he pulls out a red satin suit. I said, Walter, pimp, pimp, what are you doing? This is a smart guy. He's yeah. come for his money. Nobody is after mm. him at the moment. And um, he would not look like that. Right. So he said, well, show me what right. you're going to do. And I went through four-year-old uh, GQs and uh, Esquires. And I found that shorter, double-breasted suit. This way, he could stay buttoned while he's running, and you know he won't look like a mess. Everything won't go flying. So you got to think like that. I, I, you know, it's almost like you're also a, a doctor and a psychiatrist mm -hmm. when you do clothing, because you don't know. Yeah, was, you know, but you, you know, you, it's yeah. it was so smart to go against the obvious and the stereotype and against the grain. You know, it was like. That character is such a, he's such a fucking cool yeah. character, Reggie Hammond, because he's late. In your book, you have to give, like, quotes. Oh, no. You gave a quote for me? That's so funny. From things. You don't talk about oh, it on your yeah. page. Yeah, 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 yeah. got quotes. So, like, Freud and Ziggy. Like, all mine were, like, <laughs> movie characters. And I had, like, Reggie Hammond calling in and witness some <laughs> wow. of my bullshit. Like, that was, like, one of my... That movie was like, I mean, I, and he says, uh, uh, look at you, like Nick Nolte says, you, you know, you're a criminal and you're still like in a $400 suit. And he's like, yeah, but I, I look uh -huh, good. Uh -huh. You know, it's like. You know what I had I, on Nick Nolte in, love, in 48 hours? He uh, drank a lot and he had a nice beer belly. And at the time, you just couldn't go and buy those belts, you know, the, that you suck in. So I found it in TV Guide. Right. There was an ad for one. So I sent away for it. And like he, those old, right. like, and I put it on so him funny. because he had to wear, yeah. Yo, he looked like, he looked like an old school cop. He, I mean, that movie so, like, perfectly, like, he just looked like, like, a, like, you know, rough and tumble, mm -hmm. drunk cop, like, back yeah. in, you know. I mean, obviously, it's another movie. Never no, make no. now, you know. I mean, the language is, sure. you know. But it was like kind of like two sides, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, but that just in yeah. terms of that banter. But it's just Eddie's awesome, first you know? film. That was his first film. He came out of the comedy store in uh, New York. Did you feel he was a star? Well, I did I feel he was a star? Or he's gonna be. 
I had respect for him. I didn't think about Star or what. I couldn't get past the character I had to yeah, develop yeah. with him. It wasn't it was, like he hit you over the head like, wow, no. he's going to. And it. it was his first film. Right, and right, you've right. got to be really kind of cool, you know. No, I mean like inside. Yeah, I, think like, what? I meant like inside. Did you feel like he could be the next something star quality? No, I didn't, yeah. I didn't think that way. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I must say that he was extraordinary. Yeah, I, it's so I'm sorry. I don't I don't think like I yeah. felt like that either when I was a kid. Like, who are you going to see more of? More just about. It was more about you know, um, like the whole picture, like the bigger picture, and like how, you know, what the synergy like was like with those oh. guys and the chemistry with them. I think on. people ask it because you but never I think it was know pretty cool. where that but, hit. But also, sometimes your director comes from another school of thought and. You have to, you know, they, they, he's a good old boy instead of a new boy, and his ideas are old, and you sometimes have to go through things with the person who's going to, you know, who wrote it and, yeah, direct, yeah. and is directing it. And uh, you got to give sometimes a, a fresh point of view to them to help them see their own work. It's really interesting. You know, I had that situation with Walter Hill, and uh, most of the other directors, uh, they weren't number ones in the film I did. They were the producers, you mm. know, Joel Silver, Larry Gordon. They were, I did 17 films with one and 20 with the other. And, you know, they were it. It didn't matter who directed. It was the go-tos. They they were the, and the director yeah, was more of yeah, a hired yeah. hand. Yeah. I think, like, you know, I think that's part of the fundamental difference between a film and a TV series. I think the idea of a TV series is to get all the departments firing on all cylinders and empower them to do what it is that That's they do nice. well, right? So, yeah, like unless, like, unless something specifically scripted in, to in terms of wardrobe into like a ballers episode it really fell onto the you know the wardrobe department to um you know tiffany who ran it it was like it was her call you know every once in a while we'd have a consultation like what do you think about this this and that but it's not like yeah, a film would yeah, show sure. and tell you know what i mean where you know like a film you know, it's kind of still in a lot of ways, it's still it's an auto medium. Yeah, but it's right? a logical presentation from the people that are working on the film for the person who wrote it and directing it right. to show what you see from what right. they did. And you share that. And yeah, of course. So, you know, not every, it's not always easy, you know, to do that with uh, a writer, director, producer. Sometimes it's difficult. Well, I mean, you got to imagine, imagine if they're on separate pages, how much oh, more complicated oh, yeah. that's oh, the yeah. job, right? Well, there's a separate page than the writer. I remember talking to Barry Levinson and Barry Levinson because I had done that little tiny part in like one of his movies, Jimmy oh, Hollywood, really? and we were bullshitting. And he was telling, and he told me, and this is why I became a director because he had written um, inside this movie, Inside Moves. And Dick Donner, who you mentioned, was doing And Barry showed up at the bar, the set. And he goes, this isn't the way I wrote it. Like, the bar's there, uh, this and that. Interesting, yeah. And Dick Donner said, yeah, well, 
know if you want it to be exactly the way you should voted. Been, you yep, should direct. Done. And that's Barry Levins is like, oh, I'm going to go become a director. And he also told me one other thing, Barry Levins, and that always stayed with me, which was never complain, never explain, mm. which is not, which, which, by the way, is really interesting juxtaposed against today's cancel oh, culture, okay. you know, but that's at least 25 years ago. It was just like if they hate it and they got a complaint, just accept, just move on, yeah, you know. But yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not, time, not today. Time so. has changed, and I think it's so yeah. cool to hear about your past, how he knows you through all this. But and we're gonna have to wrap it up. Is there anything that you want to go out on? You know, some. I want, tidbits. yeah, I I want you to come back in a couple of months, <laughs> and knock, yeah. knock on wood, I, I'll come yeah. back. By then, I actually yes. come in the studio and yes. feel safe. Being you'll like tiny it. Sound you'll like it here. It's people, very but. safe. Uh, it, they practice all the right things to keep it clean and everything sprayed, and that's why we're we're sitting six feet oh. apart. You know, all oh. of us. I know. My kid here last week. My kid was here last weekend. He's around his mother, Which, who has a life. Yeah, you're How right. do I know that I'm that not connection? Decent. That people forget their connection. Thank I'm you. Yeah, you're like right. I had my my week. She's she's probably around late 60s, 70 years old, and she's like, "Oh, don't worry." And we were outside. I was yeah. like, "Why? Well, I'm oh, worried. I don't want to get sick." Thank you. you know what I mean, like I'm not. I don't know if I am or if I'm not. When I go out, it's not that hard for me to wear a fucking face. And I do it so that, A, it probably prevents me from getting sick. And, B, if I am sick, I will get somebody else sick. It's called humanity. Oh, that's funny. Just being good to your brother and sister. That's it. Well, that sounds like a perfect time to go out. So we can get past this shit. I just want to go back to work. I mean, not just the financial, but the love of it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to financial. I want to go back, and I want to go back to fucking gym, and I want to go back to jujitsu, and I want to go back to yeah. taking my kid out and doing things. Other than you know, I'm day camp in my house. We swim, we ride bicycles, and then like yeah. repeat. You know what I mean? It's like I want to go to like a park. I know I it's getting it's getting I feel like really safe. tiresome. I mean, we're all stuck together. I. It's crazy. Maybe if we just act like a team, put the freaking masks on, Look, do what we're supposed to do, then we can get out. Easy Maybe. done said. Well, well anyway, you. we're gonna ra- we're gonna wrap it's this up. up. It was an absolute pleasure All right. having you. And I will definitely. You're coming back, absolutely. Okay, I hope I. You, I, I could, I didn't hear All that. Right. I hope. I, I said I hope I didn't bore your audience. They're like, we want design. We don't want to listen to oh, this here, guy. Here's what I say. You know, what are they doing? They'll ha- yeah, really. We're hanging They'll- out. We are. We're hanging out. And we're enjoying this. Exactly. And yeah, exactly. And it was a pleasure. I loved having you. And I love seeing you. I haven't seen you in so long. Soon. Get Beachwood, my love. You, nice to meet you, too. Get nice that holster, my love. I miss yeah. Beachwood. And have a good rest of your day. I will. Bye. Thank um, you so much. Bye. You, too.